Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. As you can imagine, I've been chomping at the bit all day. Four witnesses who witnessed nothing. Again. Four witnesses who are giving us their opinions about the impeachment clause. One of whom's got it right. Three of the witnesses who have been consistently hostile to President Trump and are progressives, left-wing progressives. Now, let's start from the beginning here. I'm glad you're here. This is my wheelhouse, of course. If you're a radical progressive, which three of the four law school professors are, you don't even believe in the Constitution to begin with. If you read Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism, the progressives are at war with our constitutional order. They are at war with our Declaration of Independence and the principles that undergird it. They reject them. They reject them. They've rejected them since the late 1800s. Woodrow Wilson, Franklin Roosevelt, Barack Obama, and so many others. The purpose of progressivism is to get around constitutionalism. Professors like this, if they become judges, become radical activists. Like a Ruth Bader Ginsburg, if you will. So they're not there to interpret the Constitution, to apply the text of the Constitution, to try and determine what the founders and the framers actually intended. They use it as a tool to advance their ideology, much as the media use Freedom of the press and the First Amendment as a tool to advance their ideology. So it is precious indeed to watch these radical progressive law professors, three of them, tell us what the framers intended when they read Madison's notes or the Federalist Papers. And as you might imagine, they apply the same level of faithfulness and integrity to the impeachment clause that they apply to every other clause of the Constitution, whether it's the Electoral College, whether it's the Second Amendment, whether it's the Emoluments Clause. In other words, the ends justify the means. Especially obnoxious, Professor Noah Feldman. All three, I'll get to Turley in a minute, all three of these professors were pretentious, condescending, and arrogant. We're told they have the highest regard in academia. Who cares? Academia is one of the last safe harbors for the Soviet, Maoist, Leninist left. 
where they are tenured. We have former domestic terrorists who are professors. Only in academia. And so, the same ideology in which these professors preach in front of a classroom, which seeks to amend, alter, modify, eviscerate in some cases, the Constitution without the benefit of the people participating through judicial-made law. As Woodrow Wilson said, the way you change the Constitution is through the courts. These people would be radical, radical justices or judges. They are now telling us that of course the President of the United States should be impeached. What did they bring to the table? They sound like the craziest, most extreme Democrats that we saw on the House Intel Committee, that we see on the House Judiciary Committee, that we see on television. They're giving commentary, as if they're on MSNBC or CNN. They're giving commentaries as if they're being cherry-picked as experts by the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost. Except here they're giving it in a quasi-impeachment forum. The overlap between truth and fiction, between media and politics, has reached its vortex right here at this hearing. Right here at this hearing. Now, Jonathan Turley did a terrific job, but I wish he'd stop apologizing by trying to show his bonfides by saying he opposed Trump, he voted against Trump. Great, we got that 15 times. This isn't about whether you opposed Trump or voted for Trump or voted against Trump, which he also pointed out. This is about the Constitution. Now, when you read the transcript of that phone call that is only available because the President of the United States waived the separation of powers doctrine, waived executive privilege because that phone call would never have been out, there is no way you can conclude there was any suggestion that the Iranian President order an investigation of the 2016 election or order an investigation of the Bidens in exchange for military aid. It doesn't exist. It's not in that phone call. Nowhere. 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 Now, somebody like me who has spent a lifetime studying this, it is hilarious to watch, as an example, Miss Escobar, Democrat, left-wing kook, on the committee citing George Mason. George Mason. George Mason opposed slavery. He's one of the founders that doesn't get the attention that he deserves. George Mason voted against the Constitution. But they keep citing him. George Mason had slaves, even though he opposed slavery. George Mason demanded on what we call today a Bill of Rights. So he voted against the Constitution for two essential reasons. No Bill of Individual Liberties, which concerned him, and the lack of an effective 
abolition of slavery, even though he owned slaves. He voted against the Constitution. And they keep quoting him. The left keeps quoting George Mason. Now, I thought that George Mason, as a slaveholder, was to be dismissed, degraded. I thought that George Mason, as somebody who voted against the Constitution, wouldn't be cited when it comes to interpreting the Constitution. Now, I think George Mason was great, by the way, but that's not my point. That's not my point. We didn't get a history lesson. We didn't get a constitutional lesson from these three radical progressive professors. We got propaganda. Propaganda. We got an op-ed. We might as well have the editorial writers for all the 300 left-wing newspapers who early on attacked President Trump. They might as well testify about freedom of the press. Or maybe we can get Three illegal aliens to testify about how horrible Trump has been about securing the border. And on and on down the list. This is nothing more than a Democrat Party show trial. And they're bringing in their various constituents and elements. The bureaucracy, professors. What's next? I don't give a damn what the State Department bureaucracy thinks about a decision by the President of the United States. If their feelings are hurt, screw them. I don't give a damn what three knucklehead professors, who really don't even know their topic that well, quite frankly, what they have to say about impeachment. And neither do the vast majority of the American people. This is a show trial for the media masters who work with the Democrats, because they are Democrats, to push the propaganda as aggressively as they can. This is a show trial for the Democrat Party against the President, against the Republican Party for 2020. The Democrats have now figured, they have figured out how to monetize impeachment hearings, how to monetize their majority status in the House. You and I are paying for all this crap. You and I are paying for all this crap. And then the legal analysts. One legal analyst is asked, and he's been wrong on everything. Do you think this is an impeachable event? Yes, I would. I would vote for impeachment. Its case is overwhelming. That's a legal analyst? If you want to be a talk show host or a commentator, that's what you're a legal analyst. You're not elected to Congress. And you've been wrong. You should be apologizing to the audience. You were wrong about a secret indictment against the President of the United States on NDAs under the Federal Campaign Act in the Southern District of New York. You were wrong. You were wrong about obstruction of justice when it came to Mueller and the Mueller report. You were wrong. You were wrong about connecting the dots on Russia collusion. And you're wrong now. Now, Jonathan Turley has basically been making the points that I've been making, that Dershowitz has been making, and others have been making. But he did it beautifully. Beautifully. Bribery. What is bribery? 
Well, look at the history of the impeachment clause. Where did the framers get the word bribery from? They got it from British common law. Well, what did it mean? Well, they gave us an example. I've talked about this on TV and here. It meant, to put it in simple English, so three knucklehead professors can understand, they didn't want the President of the United States to receive monies or gifts of such a substantial nature that he would sell his loyalty to a foreign government and undermine his own country. That's what it meant. Black and white. That simple. It didn't mean, oh, like a legal analyst might say, the thing of value was that he asked the, the Ukrainians to take a look into Hunter Biden and, and Joe Biden. That's a thing of value. That's bribery. That's not bribery. Now listen to me carefully. The left in the United States and Israel is doing exactly the same thing. They're taking this word bribery because they know there's a knee-jerk reaction among the public. That's all they need to do is hear that word. And they're using that word to try and destroy the character, reputation, and administrations of two men, Trump and Netanyahu. Bribery has specific meaning in our Constitution. Bribery has specific meaning in criminal law in Israel. In our country, they're trying to use it to take out the president under the impeachment clause. In Israel, they're using it to take out, they hope, and indict, convict the Prime Minister of Israel, claiming that his effort to get positive media is bribery. Now I hear it say, said, this is terrible precedent, that the Republicans will use it against a Democrat president. No, they won't. They don't have the guts to do it. They don't have the smarts to do it. Besides, they have Quislings among them. Romney, Collins, Murkowski... Gardner, just to name four. They have Quislings who would never, never fight tough. They're the weak underbelly of the Republican Party. The leadership of the Republican Party is old and tired, but they like the trappings of power. McConnell, Cornyn, the rest. Where are they? They're nowhere. The fighters in the Republican Party, you've seen them. They're in the House of Representatives, and by God, they deserve a lot of credit. These Republicans in the House of Representatives are fighting warriors. They are fighting like hell. And the leadership is fighting like hell. To their damn good credit. I've got a hell of a lot more. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. As we celebrate the Christmas and holiday season, we often pause to consider our many blessings. Hillsdale College thanks you for loyalty as it celebrates 175 years of blessings. Now, since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses, or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. 
You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core principles, learning, character, faith, and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. Merry Christmas from Hillsdale College. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. One thing the president, this president has that Nixon didn't have, that Clinton didn't have, and that Johnson didn't have, Mr. Producer, is me, quite frankly. I defend him not out of a cult of personality. I defend him out of righteousness and because I believe in the Constitution. These great law professors... I would have loved to ask them a few questions as they talk about the unprecedented nature of this president refusing to send witnesses, Mr. Producer, and to respond to every subpoena and to dare to go to court. As we talked about weeks ago, they're going to charge him with obstruction for going to court? Wow, how Stalinist. But never before, they say, as a president, given a blanket refusal for people to testify, even though people testify. Well, let me say this to these professors. Never before has a president been treated worse than a mass murderer or a terrorist when he's confronted an impeachment situation. Never before has a president and his counsel been denied an opportunity to confront their chief accuser, whose name is still not to be mentioned on any media outlet. Never before. Has a president of the United States and a Republican Party, a minority party, been denied the right to call whatever and whomever as witnesses who they wish? Never before have we had a proceeding conducted initially in secret, without the media, and delayed issuance of transcripts. Never before has any president been treated like this. And then they dare to say he's obstructing justice. He's obstructing Congress. He goes to court and fights the battle legitimately through the Article 3 branch of government. Congress doesn't go to court. Congress just says, no. No, we're not going to allow it. We're going to reinterpret what the framers meant by bribery. We're going to turn the impeachment system on its head. We're going to use this to fund our opposition research, so-called, and our opposition to his candidacy in 2020. Who is it who's corrupt, ladies and gentlemen? I'll be right back. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. He's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. 
Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu. That's hillsdale.edu for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. An unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. So of these Democrat show trials, now we're going to have Democrats in the media analyzing the Democrat show, show trials. They know not a damn thing about the impeachment clause or the language in the impeachment clause. You didn't learn a damn thing today. No more fact witnesses. Because there aren't any facts to help their cause. One of the men who's been at the center of this, fighting for our Constitution, and for the 63 million of you who actually voted for a president that the left wants to reject, is Devin Nunes. Devin Nunes, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Mark. It finally ended. It just gaveled down. Unbelievable. Just another Imagine day that. nonsense. I, eight, eight and a half hours of law professors. Yeah, and I, I popped in there just for, uh, just for a little bit to, to talk to some of the, the guys. And I, I just have to thank, uh, uh, this is a total meltdown for them today. Uh, this, mm-hmm. this cannot go well for them when they attack the president's uh, 13-year-old son. I mean, are you kidding me? Now, now, what was the point of this hearing, other than to try and use these phony professors, three of them, to try and uh, sort of undergird their strength with the media? I mean, the public doesn't even know the names of these people. Could give a damn. It, it doesn't. I mean, you should be slapping evidence on the table for why you're going to impeach the president. We didn't need a bunch of law professors to come in and tell us that we can impeach the president. We know we can impeach the president. I mean, they can do it if they want. I mean, they have the votes. They can do it. Now, uh, I would advise it, but, uh, yeah, this, this, to me, it just looked like, I think you, did you just call it a show trial? Yes, sir. Um, it, it, I mean, this is, but this is a show trial with, like, no pizzazz. I mean, it just, I, mm-hmm. I can't imagine, I don't even know, did the, did the major networks even carry this nonsense today? Maybe more like a Las Vegas lounge act. Uh, well, let me just be, say that this. Be, that would be a... <laughs> entertaining. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they should bring in, you know, proctologists. They can tell us what's going on next. You know, just one profession after another. Now, Devin Nunes, you have been smeared, and you're not taking it. Tell us about your lawsuit. Well, thanks. And, you know, Mark, you've been, you've been great all through, through these years. But uh, right before we uh, left for Thanksgiving, uh, which is typical every time House Republicans on the Intelligence Committee, once we, we show corruption or we show that there's problems with something like we did for the two weeks before Thanksgiving break, where we, you know, I think by all accounts now, uh, Adam Schiff was a total disaster, okay? What do they do? They smear the messenger. So Friday night, CNN comes out with a story uh, that claims that I was in Vienna meeting with Ukrainians in November of 2018. So, and I said at the time, I said, 
I, I gave a clear statement out. This was demonstrably false and scandalous fake news. Uh, ten days passed. Uh, we built uh, we built a case. We got all the facts, and we uh, filed in federal court yesterday uh, against CNN uh, because the facts are that not only was I not in Vienna, I actually have pictures of myself in Benghazi, Libya. And I have pictures in Malta getting with the remains of a Army Air Corps soldier from World War II that we were loading into a plane so he could be, be sent back to his family. I was doing things that the chairman of the Intelligence Committee is supposed to do. And these evil slime balls say that I was in Vienna meeting with Ukrainians. Which, by the way, if I was in, U- in Vienna meeting with Ukrainians trying to get to the bottom of the 2016 election, that would be okay. And nothing, that, this is what I don't get. I thought we liked Ukrainians. <laughs> well, I, I, I joke. Uh, well, it's only half of a joke, really. But it's, but first, we couldn't talk to Republicans, couldn't talk to any Russians, no matter what. Even somebody who was an American citizen that was, that was of Russian descent. Then it moved to Ukrainians. We couldn't talk to any, any Ukrainians that we talked to, or even Ukrainian-Americans. And now, all of a sudden, it's also Rudy Giuliani. I, mean, I, I assume you've, you've seen this oh, yes. stuff that Adam Schiff went and subpoenaed the phone records of well, Rudy I, well, Giuliani. Well, no, no, this is a big deal. He subpoenaed the phone records. He must have gone directly to AT&T. Yep. Were you aware of this? Uh, well, <laughs> no. Yes and no, okay? And I'm, not, I'm not being wishy-washy here, okay? No. We got the—he has to inform us of a subpoena, Okay. He informed us, showed us the subpoena on September 30th. They were random numbers. There were five random numbers. We didn't know what the, what the hell these numbers were about, uh, so we don't know what they're working on. They don't have to tell us what they're working on. And then middle of November, just a few weeks ago, we get 3,000 pages of phone records. What the hell is this, right? No, no names associated with the numbers. Well, and, and so still today, we don't know who all five of those numbers belong to, the only reason I know about the one about the one number is because I have Rudy Giuliani's personal cell phone number, and so then they were able to get all the calls that I had with Rudy Giuliani. Which I mean, the joke is that I mean I had like three calls with Rudy Giuliani, um, and then they used it to smear me in their report again that you know somehow Rudy Giuliani and I were conspiring to get an ambassador fired, an ambassador who I hadn't even heard of until. They brought her in a few few weeks ago. I mean, it's just it's it's just nutty stuff. I mean, I mean, they throw such a broad net. They get a reporter, John Solomon. Yep. They get you. They get uh, they Giuliani. Get my, they get my staff. They get your staff. They get yep. two of the president's lawyers. And where the hell are the civil libertarians today? <laughs> yeah, you'd think they would be coming, you know, up in arms. Look, I'm going to be looking for all my legal options on this too. I mean, my civil <laughs> liberties were violated here, right? You don't. You know, Adam Schiff, just because he's chairman, doesn't have the right to go subpoena, put a big fishing net out there, go grab a bunch of phone numbers, and have AT&T give you all the people they've talked to, and then him smear me and say, oh, he had all these conversations with Rudy Giuliani. It's like, wait a second. He, he you know, will I'm a, hide I'm a behind. I'm yep. a, the ranking Republican on the House Intelligence Committee. Okay, and I mean, any congressman is... is should be guaranteed. Any U.S. citizen should be guaranteed their rights. He had no mm-hmm. business in releasing that I had phone calls with Rudy Giuliani whatsoever. It's it's totally out of line. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you can't get a damn thing out of him about his staffers, about his staffers working with, and I'll use it, Eric Charamella, about his staffers working with Mark Zaid. 
about his staffer coming off the, uh, off the Trump team, about uh, Schiff and his lying to the American people and his role in all this with the complaint. That information nobody's allowed to get. It's incredible. We have two full committees of Congress. The Democrats obviously control them. We're the major accuser against the President of the United States. We're supposed to pretend he's the unknown comic running around with a bag over his head. We all know who he is. Uh, the, and I've said many times, if I'm wrong, come on the damn show and tell me that I'm wrong. I'll clear the record, but they won't. His lawyers go into the witness protection program. They used to be everywhere. Yeah. Schiff, Schiff is protected by the media. You know, you've been around a little while. Have you ever seen anything like this? No. No, I, I just, I, we didn't even know. So, you know, yesterday we had been preparing this, you know, the, this lawsuit against CNN. Okay. So, so we've been preparing that. We've been pre- preparing our minority report, uh, you know, so that we could present it to the Judiciary Committee next week. And we get t- less than 24 hours to review Schiff's report. And then in there, there's like these, these phone records of me. Mm-hmm. And then it's, and, then, and, the, and the way they do it, it's just too cute by half. They t- it's like the whole section about how uh, this ambassador was fired. And then they say, oh, Rudy Giuliani spoke to Devin Nunes and, and two of, one former staff and one staffer. You know, so it's made to insinuate that we were involved in this somehow, which is totally ridiculous. And I'll tell you, I mean, for all your listeners out there, I mean, I remember very specifically about what the, the, the calls were about. That was right after Mueller, the Mueller report came in and bombed, and there wasn't going to be any, uh, that Trump had done nothing wrong. And it was Rudy Giuliani, who I couldn't, even though I've known him for years, I, I didn't want to talk to him because, as you know, and your listeners know, it was, they, they had set Mueller and Weissman, had set an obstruction of justice trap. So, of course, they would, you know, any phone call that I had made to Rudy Giuliani or the president or anybody else, so I couldn't talk to anybody uh, because I was one of the people involved in this ridiculous, lengthy investigation. So, so you know, my hands you know, were tied to talk to him. So guess what? After it happened, Rudy Giuliani called me up, and we just chatted about what had happened. Okay. It's just, it's just unbelievable. And, and where are, where are uh, Adam Schiff's phone records? Right. Well, uh, you know, I, that's going to be the question, right? I mean, is he, if, if, this, if they do vote for impeachment, um, and this goes to the Senate, uh, I think the Senate should uh, call for his phone records because we need to really know, you know, did you talk to the whistleblower or the whistleblower's lawyer before you said you did? The problem... The House Republicans are going to have, and I couldn't be more proud of you and the, and the House Republicans. I mean, you've been fighting like hell. I mean, I've never seen the Republican Party in the House this united before. Have you, Devin Nunes? No, no. We've, I mean, even, even today, uh, I mean, I, I think today they did a, they did a great job, um, you know, when, when they only had one of, of four witnesses. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not easy making those arguments. The Senate's another ball game. We have a lot of... Uh, gadflies over there and um it, it it's really bizarre to me uh how they conduct themselves and how i fear they're going to conduct themselves i don't believe they will call adam schiff i don't believe they will and they must i don't believe they will call his staffer i believe you'll have a fight on your hands over there they have a slim majority over even revealing the name of the whistleblower can you imagine 50 years from now people looking back at the history of this devin nunez and saying the accuser against the president of the United States was kept anonymous throughout the entire impeachment process. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Well, and, I, and mark my words, if they don't call the whistleblower in, okay, 
and I mean, look, impeachment's going to go nowhere in the Senate, depending on you know how long they have a trial, and then they ultimately will vote to dismiss. Uh, it's going to go nowhere. But if they don't call the whistleblower, mark my words that as soon as this impeachment thing comes out and it's over, you're going to have the whistleblower who's going to get a multi-million dollar yep. contract and probably be on CNN or MSNBC as an announcer for the rest of his life. Yeah, right up there with John Dean, you know. And uh, well, and, and how about all the how about all the, the the dirty cops from DOJ and FBI that were involved mm-hmm. in investigating the Trump campaign? You know, you but it's a, it's an amazing thing. Here we have these left wing law professors who are all radical progressives who really don't believe in the Constitution. That's why they're radical progressives, waving around the impeachment clause, claiming to be civil libertarians. They didn't have a issue, no problem with the secret testimony, no problem with the inability of you guys to call the witnesses that you wanted to call and cross-examine. They didn't have a problem with it. Their problem was the president didn't genuflect every time somebody sent a subpoena to the White House, and he goes to court, and they say that's obstruction of Congress. Right. Yeah, this is well, a real... Well, and and, and, and that, the point about that is, is a key one, and that is that they didn't want to go to court. Right. So if they really wanted to, they'd be in court right now. So the whole idea that 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 they that they can just move on and say, oh, this is obstruction of justice because they're not providing witnesses is completely asinine. Do I have to remind people of Eric Holder? Mm-hmm. Right? We didn't impeach Obama because, you know, even though Holder himself was actually uh, held, in uh, held in contempt of Congress. You know, we didn't impeach Obama over that. The Democrats, you know. I love it when people say impeachment is whatever the House says it is. No, actually, it's what the Constitution says it is. But it's not even the House. And apparently, it's whatever the Democrats in the House say it is. Now, let me ask you one final question, Devin Nunes. We're up against it here. Mm-hmm. I view this as really nothing more than a taxpayer-financed Democrat Party campaign effort where they have basically taken the impeachment clause and the entire committee processes and used it for the benefit of the DNC, the Democrat Party, and any candidate they nominate. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, you're right. What they tried to create is an infomercial, right? So it was like a, a, where an infomercial where tens of millions of Americans would tune into it. Uh, but, you know, the problem that they have right now, Mark, is, is that they, this didn't work out. It went really badly for them. It mm-hmm. went really badly, and this today made it worse. And so now you're going to continue to see... They've gotten themselves into a, into a position where they can't get out of this because mm-hmm. they have poisoned so many minds of millions of Americans that they have no way of backing out. Well, uh, Devin they're going to have to impeach. And if, because if they don't impeach, they're going to implode. Yeah, their base will go nuts. I mean, nuttier than they are. Nuttier than they are. That's right. Devin Nunes, I want to thank you. You're a great patriot. I've gotten to know you. I, I really think you're a decent you know, good man, and uh, keep up the fight, and thank you. Hey, thanks a lot, Mark, and thanks for having me on the show. You bet. We'll be right back. Mark in. As we celebrate the Christmas and holiday season, we often pause to consider our many blessings. Hillsdale College thanks you for loyalty as it celebrates 175 years of blessings. Now, since 1844, Hillsdale's held fast to its mission— to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Imprimus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses. 
or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core principles, learning, character, faith, and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. Merry Christmas from Hillsdale College. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Endless analysts and commentary on professors giving their opinions, witnesses to nothing. This has been going on for months now. What the great Professor Daniel Borston would call a pseudo-event, a massive pseudo-event with one pseudo-event after another. And hosts and legal analysts and others drawing attention to themselves, making themselves famous or infamous, as you will. But the American people suffer because it's all BS. But you got to fight it. Or BS wins. So what are we to make of all this today? Nothing. Early this morning, relatively early this morning, there I am with my man Justin who helps me with my cardio. My wife's exercising, and she exercises at a frenzied level. She's a real athlete. And uh, what is it, 9.30 in the morning, and already, 9 o'clock in the morning, we have the legal analysts telling us what's going to be said. The hosts, news hosts, telling us what's going to be said. I mean, the Republicans are going to do this, the Democrats, so what's the point of all this? And they're all excited. They got new hairdos and haircuts. Their ties are all proper. Their clothing all prim. They're all set to go. Because for them, it's a Broadway show. It's a Las Vegas show. This is what they live for. Not reporting news. Regurgitating pseudo-events. And wrapping them in propaganda. We listen to four professors, three of whom are your typical left-wing kook professors who would defend any radical Democrat should they, God forbid, become president to the end. When it comes to Donald Trump, they come up with these Byzantine notions, cherry-pick the facts. There was absolutely no purpose to this hearing other than to give the media more talking points to push further their propaganda. When we come back, we'll listen to a little of it together. And of course, I'll analyze it. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everyone. 
everybody. Mark Levin here. I hope you're sticking with us through the entire program. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We'll take things a little out of order here. Pamela Carlin is a law professor at Stanford. These leftists who work in these leftist administrations have no problems getting jobs in these law schools or colleges and universities. Because the faculty and the administrators, they hire people of like mind. And this is why you see them overwhelmingly left-wing. And I posted today, three out of four of the law professors testifying opposed Trump. Which actually isn't that bad, because in most law schools, it's nine out of ten law professors. Maybe to one. Maybe it's even worse. That's how bad academia is. And Pamela Carlin worked in the Obama administration. She's a fraud. She was giving political speeches and trying to wrap them in the Constitution. Just remember what I said at the beginning of the show, and a quarter of a million of you, or 300,000 of you read, Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. Dust it off. You cannot be a progressive and a constitutionalist. It's impossible. So they have it both ways. But here she is. Listen to what she says in part. Cut 13, go. What comparisons, Professor Carlin, can we make between kings that the framers were afraid of and the president's conduct today? So kings could do no wrong because the king's word was law. And contrary to what uh, President Trump has said, Article 2 does not have, give him the power to do anything he wants. I'll well, just... hold on. Does Article 1 give Congress the power to do anything it wants? No. Does the impeachment clause give Congress the power to do anything it wants? No. It has the sole power over impeachment, but it doesn't begin and end there. The Constitution has specific language about what impeachment is for. So this sole power stuff doesn't just go one way. Just because Congress issues a slew of subpoenas trying to break into the president, that is the executive's most closest circle of advisors, doesn't make it constitutional. Anyway, go ahead. I'll give you one example that shows you the difference between him and a king, which is the Constitution says there can be no titles of nobility. So while the president can name his son baron, he can't make him a baron. Does this sound like a serious constitutional scholar or a political Obama hack dressed up as a law professor with tenure? So it's a cheap shot at a 13-year-old. Because anything goes when it comes to Trump. And notice she laughs. She laughs, the idiot asking the question. Sheila Jackson Lee. Now, Matt Gates gets a swing at this, and he's terrific, really. And when it comes to him, finally, here's what he says. Cut 15, go. Now, let me also suggest that when you invoke the president's son's name here, when you try to make a little joke out of referencing Baron Trump, that does not lend credibility to your argument. It makes you look mean. It makes you look like you're attacking someone's family, the minor child of the president of the United States. So let's see if we can get into the facts. To all of the witnesses, if you have personal knowledge of a single material fact in the shift report, please raise your hand. 
And let the record reflect. No personal knowledge of a single fact. And you know what? That continues on the tradition that we saw from Adam Schiff, where Ambassador Taylor could not identify an impeachable offense. Mr. Kent never met with the president. Fiona Hill never heard the president reference anything regarding military aid. Mr. Hale was unaware of any nefarious activity with aid. Colonel Vindman even rejected the new Democrat talking point that bribery was invoked here. Ambassador Volker denied that there was a quid pro quo, and Mr. Morrison said there was nothing wrong on the call. The only direct evidence came from Gordon Sondland, who spoke to the President of the United States, and the President said, I want nothing. No quid pro quo. And you know what? If wiretapping of political opponents an impeachable offense, I look forward to reading that Inspector General's report, because maybe it's a different president we should be impeaching. Well said. So they trash him. They try and dismiss him. Does anybody know if Pamela Carlin has any children? I don't say that to be provocative. Should we mock her children? Pictures of her children? The names of her children? How would she like it? How would her supporters in the media like it? How would all these sleazeball websites like it? They wouldn't. They wouldn't. Jim Jordan, cut 16, go. Before Speaker Pelosi announced the impeachment inquiry 10 weeks ago on September 24th, before the call between President Trump and President Zelensky on July 25th, before the Mueller hearing in front of this committee on July 24th, before all that, 16 of them had already voted to move forward on impeachment. 16 Democrats on the Judiciary Committee had already voted to move forward on impeachment, yet today we're talking about whether the positions they've already taken are constitutional? Seems a little backward to me. I mean, we can't, we can't get agreement. I mean, we got four, four Democrats or four people who voted for Let, Clinton. Let's and just can't... stop a minute. I, I have to say this about Jim Jordan. He is a spectacular representative. There are really good representatives. There are some who are great. He is a spectacular representative, as is Nunes. But Jordan fights day in and day out for liberty and the Constitution. He's not even a lawyer, I don't think. But he's smarter than a lawyer. Smarter than all those law professors put together. Go ahead. Yet today we're talking about the Constitution. Now, Professor Turley, you've been, you've been great today, but I think you were wrong on one thing. You said this is, a, this is a fast impeachment. I would argue it's not a fast impeachment. It's a predetermined impeachment. Predetermined impeachment done in the most unfair partisan fashion we have ever seen. No subpoena power for Republicans. Depositions done in secret in the bunker in the basement of the Capitol. 17 people come in for those depositions. No one can be in there except a handful of folks that Adam Schiff allowed in those depositions. Chairman Schiff prevented witnesses from answering Republican questions. Every Democrat question got answered. Not every Republican question. Democrats denied Republicans the witnesses we wanted in the open hearings that took place three weeks ago. And of course, Democrats promised us the whistleblower would testify and then change their mind. And they changed their mind. Why? Because the whole world discovered that Adam Schiff's staff had, co- had talked to the whistleblower, coordinated with the whistleblower. The whistleblower with no firsthand knowledge, bias against the president who worked with Joe Biden, whose lawyer in January of 17 said the impeachment process starts then. That's the unfair process we've been through. And the reason it's been unfair, let me just cut to the chase. 
The reason it's been unfair is because the facts aren't on their side. The facts are on the president's side. Four key facts will not change, have not changed, will never change. We have the transcript. There was no quid pro quo on the transcript. The two guys on the call, President Trump and President Zelensky, both said no pressure, no pushing, no quid pro quo. The Ukrainians, third, didn't know that the aid was held up at the time of the phone call. And fourth, and most important, Ukrainians never started, never promised to start, and never announced an investigation in the time that the aid was paused. Never once. But you know what did happen in those 55 days that the aid was paused? There were five key meetings between President Zelensky and senior officials in our government. Five key meetings. We had the call on July 25th, very next day. July 26th, we had Ambassador Volker, Taylor, and Sondland meet with President Zelensky in Kyiv. We then had Ambassador Bolton, end of August, meet with President Zelensky. We then had the Vice President meet with President Zelensky on September 1st, and we had two senators, Republican and more importantly, Democrat Senator Murphy with Republican Senator Johnson meet with President Zelensky on September 5th. None of those five meetings, none of those five meetings was aid ever discussed in exchange for an announcement of an investigation into anybody. Not one of them. And you would think the last two, after the Ukrainians did know the aid was being held, you would think it would come up then. Particularly the one where you got Senator Murphy, the Democrat, there talking about it. Never came up. The facts are on the president's side. But we got an unfair process because they don't have the facts. We got an unfair process, most importantly. And this gets to something else you said, Mr. Turley. And this is scary. How mad the country. I mean, that was so well said. This is scary. The Democrats have never accepted the will of the American people. To Mr. Turley's point, 17 days ago, 17 days ago, the Speaker of the United States House of Representatives called the President of the United States an imposter. The guy 63 million Americans voted for who won an Electoral College landslide, the Speaker of the United States House of Representatives called that individual an imposter. That is not healthy for our country. This is not healthy. The facts are the facts. They are on the President's side. That's what we need to focus on, not some constitutional hearing at the end of the process, when you guys have already determined where you're going to go. Perfect. He engaged. Terrific. Lots more when I return. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Let's give you a little bit of this Jonathan Turley. By the way, I am interviewing for this Sunday's Life, Liberty, and Levin, Alan Dershowitz. 
I don't believe Alan Dershowitz and I have ever been in the same room before. We talked over the phone. Maybe we did TV 20 years ago here and there, probably on the opposite side. I just don't remember. But we'll be sitting across from each other as we're wont to do on Life, Liberty, and Levin. It's going to be a hugely important show, particularly given today's hearing. On this Sunday, remember our new time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. That's 5 p.m. Pacific time. Levin Dershowitz, I think you're going to find this to be absolutely fascinating. But Mark, there's football. Who cares? Let's be honest. Most of the teams this year suck, don't they, Mr. Producer? There's a handful of teams that are doing well, and then most of them suck. I'm not putting anybody down. Look at my Eagles. The hell's got They lost to the Dolphins? Oi. Giants. Dallas is looking kind of goofy. You know, I love the uh, top guys over there, the Redskins, so I'm not going to say anything about that. I mean, after all, their two top quarterbacks broke their legs in horrific ways, almost exactly the same way, and, you know, they're kind of stuck. Can't say that for these other teams. Anyway, one day I'm going to do a sports show, Mr. Producer. Do you want to produce that, or should I find another producer? He's in. Richie V, you want to handle the calls, or you're saying, you know, Mark, that's enough. That's, be, that's below me. He's, he's in. One of these days, I'm going to do a sports show. He doesn't need to know about sports. I need to know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jonathan Turley. Today, during the hearings, and we'll play the, some of the others. In his opening statement, part thereof, cut to go. I'd like to start, therefore, perhaps incongruously... By stating an irrelevant fact, I'm not a supporter of President Trump. I voted against him. My personal views of President Trump are as irrelevant to my impeachment testimony as they should be to your impeachment vote. President Trump will not be our last president. And what we leave in the wake of this scandal will shape our democracy for generations to come. I'm concerned about lowering impeachment standards to fit a paucity of evidence and an abundance of anger. I believe this impeachment not only fails to satisfy the standard of past impeachments, but would create a dangerous precedent for future impeachments. And he's right, of course, with one caveat. Republicans don't do this sort of thing. You'll say Clinton. Well, Clinton committed felonies, numerous felonies. Ken Starr went up, testified, talked about his report, had to defend it, had to explain the 11 felonies that he believed Clinton committed, and that was compelled under the independent counsel statute, which has since lapsed. Adam Schiff is a coward. He's covering up everything that he's done. He was claiming that he's the Ken Starr, you see. And everybody said, okay, then you need to testify to I, I, I didn't really mean it. I, I, not Ken Starr. So he's a joke. More Jonathan Turley. Cut three. Go. I get it. You're mad. The president's mad. My Republican friends are mad. My Democratic friends are mad. My wife is mad. My kids are mad. Even my dog seems mad. And Luna's a golden doodle, and, and they don't get mad. So we're all mad. 
Where has that taken us? Will a slipshod impeachment make us less mad? Will it only invite an invitation for the madness to follow every future administration? That is why this is wrong. It's not wrong because President Trump is right. His call was anything but perfect. It's not wrong for controversy. It's not wrong because we're in an election year. There is no good time for an impeachment. No, it's wrong because this is not how you impeach an American president. This case is not a case of the unknowable. It's a case of the peripheral. We have a record of conflicts, defenses that have not been fully considered, unsubpoenaed witness with material evidence. To impeach a president on this record would expose every future president to the same type of inchoate impeachment. And the Democrats don't care. They'll be dead, long gone. Who cares? Let the next generation deal with their madness. This is the way they think about policy, too, and spending. Cut four, go. If you impeach a president, if you make a high crime and misdemeanor out of going to the courts, it is an abuse of power. It's your abuse of power. You are doing precisely what you're criticizing the president for doing. We have a third branch that deals with conflicts of the other two branches. And what comes out of there and what you do with it is the very definition of legitimacy. Cut eight, go. What my esteemed colleague said was certainly true. If you accept all of their presumptions, it would be obstruction. But impeachments have to be based on proof, not presumptions. That's the problem when you move towards impeachment on this abbreviated schedule that has not been explained to me. Why you want to set the record for the fastest impeachment. Fast is not good for impeachment. Narrow fast impeachments have failed. Just ask Johnson. So the obstruction issue is an example of this problem. And here's my concern. The theory being put forward is that President Trump obstructed Congress by not turning over material requested by the committee. And citations have been made to the third article of the Nixon impeachment. Now, first of all, I want to confess, I've been a critic of the third article of the Nixon impeachment my whole life. My hair catches on fire every time someone mentions the third article. Now, we'll stop there. Leave it right there, Mr. Producer. Now, why? Why is he so concerned about this use of obstruction of justice or obstruction of Congress? If you listen to this program, you know why. But let's hear what Turley has to say when we return. Let us continue. All right. Uh, Let us continue where we left off with Turley. He says, you know, this obstruction of justice thing, obstruction of Congress, has me deeply concerned. It had me deeply concerned with Nixon. has me deeply concerned now. Why is that? Go ahead. And citations have been made to the third article of the Nixon impeachment. Now, first of all, I want to confess... I've been a critic of the third article of the Nixon impeachment my whole life. My hair catches on fire every time someone mentions the third article. Why? Because you would be replicating one of the worst articles written on impeachment. Here's the reason why. 
Peter Rodino's position as chairman of judiciary was that Congress alone decides what information may be given to it. Alone. His position was that the courts have no role in this. And so, if any, by that theory, any refusal by a president based on executive privilege or immunities would be the basis of impeachment. Now, let's stop there. Are there any limits to what Congress can do? Of course. Congress isn't exempted from checks and balances. Congress isn't exempt, exempted from separation of powers. And there's always this rub. So Congress can't say, we're going to impeach you because you don't do exactly what we say. Again, Madison spoke to this. Madison was concerned that a president not become a captive of the House or the Senate or the Congress generally. And that's exactly what would happen with a impeach a president because he doesn't do exactly what Congress tells him to do, particularly under these circumstances where they have this 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 joke this show trial going on where all notion of legitimate processes of due process of any kind has been abandoned. Go ahead. Is essentially the theory that's being replicated today. President Trump has gone to Congress to, to the courts. He's allowed to do that. We have three branches, not two. Yeah. Constitutional scholars sitting to his, I think they were his right. Didn't much matter. We have Noah Feldman. Noah, Noah Feldman. Harvard University. Cut five, go. That on its own, Soliciting the leader of a foreign government in order to announce investigations of political rivals and perform those investigations would constitute a high crime and misdemeanor. Now let's stop. Not only would it not constitute a high crime and misdemeanor, not only would not constitute a high crime and misdemeanor, it never happened. Go ahead. But the House also has evidence before it that the president committed two further acts that also qualify as high crimes and misdemeanors. In particular, the House heard evidence that the president placed a hold on critical U.S. aid to Ukraine and conditioned its release on announcement of the investigations. They have of- no firsthand evidence of that whatsoever. This is a constitutional scholar, you understand. There's no firsthand information of that whatsoever. Period. Go ahead. And of the discredited CrowdStrike conspiracy theory. Furthermore, the House also heard evidence... How about the the discredited Russia collusion with the Trump campaign conspiracy theory? Nobody's been fired in any newsroom. Nobody's resigned in the House or the Senate. How about that conspiracy theory? Go ahead. ...a White House visit desperately sought by the Ukrainian president on announcement of the investigation. No, he didn't. And there were witnesses who are to the contrary, like Ron Johnson, senator, who sat in in a number of those discussions and meetings. That's not true. That's a lie. Go ahead. Both of these acts constitute impeachable high crimes and misdemeanors under the Constitution. But they didn't happen, and they're not impeachable high crimes and misdemeanors anyway. How so? But they didn't happen. 
if they did happen, ladies and gentlemen, why aren't these witnesses dragged in front of the House Judiciary Committee before we get our constitutional scholars? Go ahead. They each encapsulate the framers' worry that the President of the United States... Why do you take- care what the framers worried about? You're a pr- radical progressive. You dismiss the framers as slaveholders. You cherry-pick which parts of the constitutions you, you like and dislike. So why do you care? Go ahead. He means whatever to ensure his re-election. And that is the reason... He didn't do framer- anything to ensure his re-election. What does he mean, ensure his re-election? We can't be sure Biden will even be the nominee. So how would that ensure his re-election? Now these are law professors? Are they part of the political science club over there at Yale and Harvard and Stanford? Then we get Pamela Carlin, who former... Obama appointee. Cut six, go. Uh, Do President Trump's demands on Ukraine also establish the high crime of bribery? Yes, they do. Can you explain why, please? What what president's demands? Now, we have read repeatedly that phone call that the president had. He didn't make any demands. Do us a favor. He's talking about the 2016 investigation that's already underway with the attorney general and the U.S. Attorney from Connecticut. In other words, help them. And you might want to look into the, the Bidens, too, and the firing of the prosecutor and so forth. There were no demands. There were no demands. There were no exchanges. There were no promises. There were no nothing. Go ahead. Sure. So the, the high crime or misdemeanor of bribery, I think it's important to distinguish that from whatever okay, the first of all, it doesn't say high crime or misdemeanor of bribery. They were very careful about the words they use. See, this is a, a, a radical progressive. She's not a textualist. But anyway, go ahead. Calls bribery today. And the reason for this in part is because... Uh, Thank you. In 1789, when the, framer, when the framers were writing the Constitution, there was no federal criminal code. It's good that the, she listens to my program. Go ahead. Bribery statutes that the United States Congress passed would not have reached a president at all because the first one was just about customs officials. Uh, and the second one was only about judges. So it wasn't until, I don't know, 60 years or so after the Constitution was ratified that we had any federal crime of bribery at all. So when they say explicitly in the Constitution that the president can be uh, impeached and removed from office for bribery, they weren't referring to a statute. And federal. And, and I will say, I'm not an expert on federal cr- substantive federal criminal law. All I will say here is the bribery statute is a very complicated statute. So what they were thinking about was bribery as it was understood in the 18th century based on the common law up until that point. And that understanding was an understanding that someone, and generally even then it was mostly talking about a judge. It wasn't talking about uh, a president because there was no president before that. No, actually it wasn't even a judge. They were talking about uh, deputy ministers uh, to a prime minister and and, uh, deputies to a monarch. And lords. But anyway, go ahead. 
king because the king could do no wrong. But what they were understanding then was the idea that when you took private benefits or when you asked for private benefits in return for an official act or somebody gave them to you to influence an official act, that was bribery. No. It's actually more specific than that, and she knows it. This is the sleaziness of the left. They didn't want the president to be bought off with actual payments. That was the example they used in history. That you could buy off a leader of a country and thereby buy his loyalty. And by buying his loyalty, he would undermine his own country in favor of the country or the government, or the monarchy, that paid him. It wasn't some ambiguous or nebulous thing of value, Judge Napolitano. They were payments, bribes, bribes. That's not even relevant here. None of that happened here. And so what they do, the radical progressives, while they're throwing around the Constitution, the radical libertarians who hate Trump are throwing around the Constitution, is they're lying about what's in the Constitution. They're lying about the language. She got it right up to the point where she said, bribery, you've got to look at English common law, correct. There was no federal statute related to that, correct. There was no criminal code, which is why I don't understand why all these federal, uh, former federal prosecutors are experts. But anyway, she's right up to that, and then she gets it wrong at the end because she's spinning. Spinning. They didn't say any private benefits. Heads of state would exchange gifts. Heads of states would visit each other, have lavish parties and dinners and so forth and so on. They were very specific. Bribery. Buying somebody's loyalty. Is that what happened in that phone call, ladies and gentlemen? No. But since the Democrats tested the words that are most appealing to the most people, and they found it was the word bribery, we have to fit this in the bribery, you see. But it's not bribery. It's not even close to bribery. It has nothing to do with bribery. Now, Michael Gerhardt and Carlin and Feldman I don't think I have time for this. We'll get to them. But first, I want to tell you about this. I'm going to try, Mr. Producer. Let's do it this way. America's biotech industry is under attack because the two socialist health care plans that we've been following, the Pelosi plan in the House and the Grassley-Wyden plan in the Senate, are both still very alive, but they need to be defeated. Because both plans will kill your health and your health care system. Both plans enact socialist price controls to demand drug companies set prices at a level determined by the government. You and I both know that allowing the government to control private industry pricing hurts companies and their ability to hire, lower prices, or make new products. So why do they want to increase the costs of making drugs? Worse, the Pelosi plan and the Grassley-Wyden plan is written would destroy America's robust, vibrant biotech industry and all the jobs of the people who have developed so many drug treatments millions of us depend on 
and the future drugs. And they would eliminate the investments needed to develop tomorrow's breakthrough treatments for cancer, diabetes, so many other horrific, deadly diseases. You're not going to find a cure in the Department of Health and Human Services. You're not going to find a cure in OMB. You're not going to find a cure in any committee hearing in Congress. The hard work's done in the private sector, in the laboratories. But maybe they can find a cure for socialism. Get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com, truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. We'll be right back. Lovin. Then the other hour I'll do, we'll do one sports, and then we'll do another hour music, Mr. Producer. Five hours, baby. You ready? (laughs) Maybe I'll do it on the weekends. I mean, I don't sleep anyway. So I'll do my show three hours a day, five days a week. Then maybe I'll do a two-hour sports show and maybe a two-hour music show. Yeah, that's what I'll do. That's the ticket. As we celebrate the Christmas and holiday season, we often pause to consider our many blessings. Hillsdale College thanks you. Thanks you for your loyalty as it celebrates 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Now perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month, or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses, or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now this independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without government interference. At no time in our nation's history, has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide? So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. Merry Christmas from Hillsdale College. To learn more, please visit right now, levinforhillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. A couple more things with the holidays coming. Have you signed up for Levin TV yet? Seriously. We're duking it out on this impeachment issue. It's going to go on, unfortunately, for a few more months. We have a presidential election now. There's going to be no better place than this radio show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, and Levin TV. People who have subscribed to Levin TV love it. The number of people who resubscribe is really through the roof. And you not only get Levin TV, you get a bunch of other great hosts. This guy, Dave Rubin. I never heard of this guy, Dave Rubin, before. I'm watching this guy, Dave Rubin. This guy's good. A former leftist. He's gay. That means nothing to me. He's a human being. He's really sharp. Then my buddy, Glenn Beck. 
my buddy Eric Bowling, Andrew Wilkow, Phil Robertson. I mean, it is a heavy-duty lineup. You're not going to find this lineup anywhere else on digital TV. And digital TV is the future. It's the future. Because you can take it with you and watch it anywhere. So please call 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. I'm going to make an executive decision. Tell them you just heard me say this on my radio show. And Mark said you want $10 off your annual subscription. Perfect Christmas gift. Perfect Hanukkah. Birthday. Any gift. Podcast. I'm told our podcast is really kicking it. Go to MarkLevinShow.com. That's the Mothership website, MarkLevinShow.com. Click on the Audio Rewind, middle of the top homepage, please. You'll go to the podcast page, then one more click, you'll pick the platform you want. Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Three clicks, and you're set. You can take me anywhere. Listen to this show anytime. Let's say you are got dinner, you have some event. You go right to your podcast, right on your phone. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, a lot going on this hour. We're going to give you an update at Convention of States. There's some real hot activity going on in two or three states. We'll have Mark Meckler on the program. Very important. You know, uh, I believe in competition. I'm a radio host. The competition is enormous. There are literally thousands of terrestrial stations. There's podcasts. There's other forms of online and app broadcasting. And in this time slot, I've managed to rise to the top. There's competition when you're writing books among publishers for your interest, for you to secure a copy of a book. You have the biggest selling conservative book of the year on freedom of the press, thanks to you. Live in TV in the blaze. We compete with our outlets, Fox Nation, The Daily Wire, they're all wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I'm so thrilled they're all out there. They're all friends of mine. And of course, websites. The Blaze has a wonderful website. Breitbart, Right Scoop, Red State. Oh boy, I shouldn't have gone down this line, Mr. Producer. Instapundent, PJ Media. There's so many, I apologize for anybody I've missed. There are news aggregators out there. Matt Drudge. Now, Drudge has decided to change his content model, in my view. And I consider Matt a good friend. I don't know if he still considers me a good friend. But I consider him a good friend. And Matt has decided that he wants to go the way of CNN and MSNBC as it applies to the President of the United States, and the Republican Party. That's perfectly fine. That's his business model, whatever he wants. I Really, seriously, I believe in competition. 
But when you do that, you create competitors too, which is a good thing. Like I say, I have competitors everywhere I turn, don't I, Mr. Producer? Everywhere. We live and die by ratings. We live and die by book numbers. We live and die by whatever it is. You don't get a free ride. That's the great thing about freedom of speech, true free press, and capitalism, competition. Well, Dan Bongino, who happens to be a very dear friend of mine, has decided he wants to jump into this competition too. Not just with podcasting and YouTube and so forth. He's created a news aggregator site, and I'm looking at it now, and you know what, Mr. Badu, you see it? It's beautiful. It's really nicely done. It's called the Bongino Report. Fancy name. I want to encourage you to check it out. It's BonginoReport.com, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, Report.com. We'll link to it, Mr. Producer. Just say, check out the BonginoReport.com. And he makes no bones about it. He's doing this from a constitutionalist, conservative-slash-libertarian perspective. And he's told me he believes there's enough of the other stuff out there. So he's aggregating news. And it really is a beautiful sight. And apart from the graphics, you can see how hard they're working on the substance. I'll give you an idea. Top stories. Rigged impeachment hearings packed with anti-Trump lawyers. CNN chooses to ignore Ukraine president's denial of quid pro quo. Here's a Lisa Page, Peter Stroke text you haven't seen before. George Conway publicly attacks Kellyanne for the first time. Trump responds to two-faced Trudeau after a hot mic moment. Democrat rep admits we always do this kind of quid pro quo. Now those are top stories. They're not trashing Trump. They're not promoting a senior judicial analyst. They're not. Do- it's from a perspective that is conservative, constitutionalist, libertarian, and so forth. Now, those are the top stories. And he has a section, Election 2020. I don't get anything out of this. I'm just telling you, I like it a lot. Election 2020. Why not? Harris fans blame billionaires, racism, sexism for loss. Pro-Sanders activist Linda Sarsour goes on anti-Semitic tirade at event. Bloomberg blows $57 million during first week. Obama would intervene to stop a Sanders presidency. Nearly 10% of Hillary's 2016 supporters now support Trump in battleground states. It goes on. It's fascinating. The impeachment witch hunt is another section. Schiff crosses the line. Kevin McCarthy makes an impeachment challenge to Pelosi. Dem witness decides no crime needed to impeach Trump, and it goes on. Has a section on the culture wars, section on the economy, section on immigration. It's very user-friendly. And then it says all the rest for some of the bizarro stories. I don't see any stories about naked people or snakes turning into cows or anything like that to promote hits. It's a substantive site. And he also links to certain recent, uh, which they obviously believe are important, recent events on YouTube. So it really looks like a modern news aggregating site from a 
conservative, libertarian, constitutionalist perspective. So you should bookmark it. I'm not telling you not to go to Drudge or anybody else. I hope I mentioned Right Scoop, right, Mr. Bruce? It's one of my buddies there. But this, again, is a news aggregation site. If you're looking for an alternative or just an addition, you can bookmark it too. It's BonginoReport.com. Do I have that right? BonginoReport.com. It really is quite a nice site, and I bookmarked it myself. And I get nothing out of it, but I believe in competition, and I believe in advancing the mission. And when you have people who are willing to put their money where their mouth is, put their brand and their reputation on the line, or keep breaking their ass to keep it, trying to defend this country, I'm with them. I back them. All right. Let us continue here. Uh, Let us go to, I'm looking here. No, what's this? People send me stuff over the transom while I'm doing this show. It's very annoying, but sometimes it's good. Let's go back to our audio. We were on cut seven. Micah Gerhardt, Pamela Carlin, Noah Feldman, all never Trumpers, all hate Trumpers, all leftists, and of course, all law professors. And I don't know about you, but when I'm trying to convince the American people of a position that I believe in, I bring in left-wing radical law professors. Cut seven, go. In your view, is there enough evidence here to charge President Trump with the high crime and misdemeanor of obstruction of Congress? I I think there's more than enough. As I mentioned in my statement, uh, just to really underscore this, um, the third article of impeachment approved by the House Judiciary Committee against President Nixon charged him with misconduct because he had failed to comply with four legislative subpoenas. Here it is far more than four that this president has uh, failed to comply with, and he's ordered the executive branch as well. The president is challenging them in court, which is his right as the chief executive. He doesn't have to comply immediately with a congressional subpoena. Go ahead. Uh, Those together... And this guy is supposed to be a scholar. Not a scholar, he's a moron. Go ahead. ...suggests obstruction of Congress. Professor Carlin, do you agree? I'm a scholar of the law of democracy. So as a citizen, I agree... Actually, you're obnoxious. I'm a scholar of the law of democracy. If I say so myself, I always cite myself in my law review articles... I don't cite Joseph's story. I don't. No, no. I say, as I said in 2014, as I said in 2016, being a scholar, I, of course, I cite myself. You idiot. Go ahead. Uh, Professor Gerhardt said, as an expert, my limitation is that I'm a scholar of the law of democracy. I'm not a scholar of obstruction of justice or obstruction oh. of Congress. We will what are you say- doing here? What are you doing here, scholar of the law of democracy? Go ahead. Opinion as a citizen. Professor Feldman. The obstruction of Congress is a problem because it undermines the basic... Wait a minute, it's Feldman, everybody. Is that like flounder? Feldman reminds me of flounder. I don't mean looks, but, you know, affectations. And look here, uh, I'm uh, Noah Feldman here. 
And I'm the last word on everything. I don't know what she thinks she is, the law of democracy, the scholar. I'm the scholar of scholars. The king of kings, the holy one. Praise be me. Go ahead. Constitution. If you're going to have three branches of government, each of the branches has to be able to do its job. The job of the House is to yes. investigate impeachment and to impeach. No, President that's Hussein. not the job of the House. Is that what it says in the Constitution? The job of the House is to investigate impeachments and impeach? You don't understand, Mark. These are constitutional scholars. They cite themselves in their own law review articles. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Go ahead. As this president did say, I will not cooperate in any way, shape, or form with your process. Robs a coordinate branch well, of government. Well, why don't you explain what that process is so you can understand that the president of the United States is not going to participate in a show trial, if you will, which prevents certain witnesses. How come Mr. Feldman, Noah, Noah, did you take your cough medicine, Noah? Uh, Noah, how come you didn't explain to everybody what the process is that the president objects to? Because you're a fraud, that's why, you jerk. Go ahead. Robs the House of Representatives of its basic constitutional power of impeachment. When you add to that the fact that the same How does president- it rob the House of Representatives of its power to impeach? Isn't that what they're doing now? Guy makes no sense. But he's a Harvard professor. Just as Elizabeth Warren was a Harvard professor. Now, did he pretend to be an Indian uh, Native American as well, Mr. Feldman? Mr. Feldman. How did you get into Harvard, Mr. Feldman? Go ahead. My Department of Justice cannot charge me with a crime. The president puts himself above the law. First of all, the president never said, my Department of Justice can't charge me with a crime. The Office of Legal Counsel said that under both Clinton and Nixon. This president's Justice Department never asserted anything, you idiot. Oh, what a law scholar. Oh. Go ahead. Not cooperate in an impeachment inquiry. I don't think it's possible to emphasize this strongly enough. A president who will not cooperate in an impeachment inquiry is putting himself above... Tell me something, uh, Mr. Is it Feldman? Is that your real name, sir? Just curious. Is your family proud of you? I'm sure they are. Very. What about a House of Representatives that won't allow a president to call certain witnesses? What about a House of Representatives that won't allow the president's counsel to be present during secret testimony in a bunker in the basement of the House? Tell me, Mr. Feldman constitutional scholar named a single impeachment proceeding where that has ever occurred. Matter of fact, name a single impeachment proceeding where the proceeding starts in the House Intelligence Committee. Oh, we have a lot of questions. What do you think about that, Noah? May I call you Noah? I feel like I know you. Go ahead. Yourself above the law. Ah, shut up, you idiot. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Listen to a montage, shall we? ABC, NBC, CBS this morning. Excited by Democrats' damning report. One step closer to impeaching President Trump. 
We want to thank Savannah Guthrie and George Stephanopoulos and Gail King. Wow, what journalists. Hat tip newsbusters, cut 20, go. Making the case hours away, the critical next hearing in the impeachment investigation against yes. the president. House Democrats unveiling a My damning 300-page report saying the president tried to muscle a foreign country into helping yes. his re-election. Of Another course. historic day on Capitol Hill, the House Who's one that? Who's that, uh, prepubescent? Oh, it's George Stephanopoulos. Go ahead. Impeaching President Trump. Yes. Crucial new round of testimony about to begin just hours from now. It's crucial that we hear from these left wing. It's crucial, crucial round of testimony. And we've got the movie music to prove it. Go. Blistering 300-page report, House Democrats find President Trump abused his office, put his interests above the nation's, pressured Ukraine to influence our election, and blocked Congress from investigating. Don't you clowns get sick and tired of being the pompous liars that you are, being mouthpieces? Basically, cheerleaders for the Democrats and vice versa. Aren't you embarrassed? You ever look in the mirror? No, you have no conscience. You have no moral core. I mean, who the hell? What kind of a news operation would hire George Stephanopoulos? Trashing women? The head of the war room? Hey, I have an idea. Let's put him on ABC's Good Morning America. We're looking for a short, stupid white guy. That's what CNN said. And then they hired uh, Brian Stelter. Go ahead. Impeachment's new phase. The House Judiciary Committee takes Ooh, over King. after the 300-page yes. intelligence report claims President Trump put national security... See, it's a 300-page intelligence report, ladies and gentlemen. Not a 300-page partisan, disgusting, biased, pathetic Democrat report. No, it's a House Intelligence Committee report, says Gail King, Oprah Winfrey's best friend. Go ahead. Using his powers for political gain. Yes, yes. Now, this is even in the morning shows. NBC Today Show, ABC's Good Morning American, CBS This Morning. There's no escaping it. So why watch them? And their numbers are plummeting, by the way. And they're plummeting for a good reason. They suck, may I say, with all due respect. Yes, they do. You want to hear a good Trump ad? Do we have time for this, Mr. Producer? Cut one, go. I was at the University of Pennsylvania Law School yesterday where I teach a class, and my class is still in therapy. I'm a registered Democrat and have been, have been my whole life. There are other bad things in the world to fear, including, of course, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III and ICE agents who are out of control. On the Republican side, it's largely not fact-based. There are all kinds of things that the president has done thus far that already, I think, would reach that, reach that level, most likely. Even if, as a progressive, you would believe, as I do, that I should be paying higher taxes. Noah, you do urge Congress to start thinking clearly about uh, the power of impeachment if President Trump does indeed invoke emergency powers after this tonight. The courts block it, and then eventually Congress sets out to impeach it. What a fine group of citizens, don't you think? Harvard, Stanford, University of North Carolina, I'm sure they're very, very proud that these three flunkies are now in their impeachment report. Eight and a half hours of this. My recommendation, don't send your kids to law school. I went to law school. I understand. Uh, Mark, Mark, please, please. It's even worse than it was 30 years ago. Actually, in my case, 40 years ago. 
We're surrounded by these left-wing kooks. I'll be right back. The champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now. 877-381-3811. Deborah's home was stolen. And I don't mean thieves stole stuff. I mean scammers literally stole her home. The FBI calls home title theft one of the fastest growing white collar crimes. This story is why you need home title lock. Deborah says criminals found the title to our home online and filed fraudulent documents claiming they owned it. It gets worse. She says, I was evicted from my own home and $85,000 in equity gone. Nobody believes you can get your home stolen this easily, she said. Well, friends, this is why you need to get a home title lock. No insurance or bank protects your home from a title theft. Home title lock does. First things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't know it. Then sign up to help protect the legal title to your home so you don't end up like Deborah. And to get started, I got you 60 risk-free days of protection. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com, that's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, one of the great patriots out there who is fighting... To reestablish our constitutional republic is Mark Meckler of Convention of States. And there's a few things going out there in the states. It may, maybe it's your state as well. And I wanted Mark to come on and give us a uh, briefing on what's taking place. Mark, how are you, sir? I'm good. Great to be with you, brother. You too. So tell us what's happening. Well, you know, Mark, this time of year it's usually kind of quiet out there. But it is not. Things are raucous. And so I'll tell you, like, the states that are hot where Convention of States actually moving right now, Michigan is super hot right now. Pennsylvania, I expect some action here within the next couple of weeks. Idaho is hot. North Carolina, South Carolina is hot. I mean, it's just Ohio. And let us remind people, you don't need the governors in these states. No, I love that. So all you need is a simple majority in both houses of the legislature. And we're seeing things move that I just never expected. I did a trip to Idaho recently, lots of new volunteers there. And the legislature is very positive. We got kind of blown out there last year. So I'm surprised by all the momentum I'm seeing. Mark, I was in Connecticut recently, did a town hall meeting, you know, blue, blue, blue state. Everybody says no conservatives in Connecticut. I had 85 people show up on a Wednesday night at a library. It was packed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now tell us about two or three of the top states where, where you feel you have a, a very good shot relatively soon. Yeah, I would say that the three to watch right away, first of all, Michigan, absolutely pay attention to Michigan. They have, well, I think, one of the best speakers of the House in the country, Lee Chatfield, young guy, 34 years old. He's just a, definitely an amazing up-and-coming leader, and I think we're real close there. Now, do, we, do the, the Republicans one. have the Senate there, too? Yeah, Republicans have both the House and the Senate. Well, maybe I should move to Michigan from Virginia. Just thinking. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I know how bad it is there, Mark. And then we've also got Pennsylvania. Looks really good. I just was there for a joint House and Senate hearing. Really good support in both houses. I expect to see movement there. Uh, I probably expect that we're going to see a vote before the end of the year there. So I'm pretty excited about that one as well. And the third one? 
I would say the third one to watch real closely is North Carolina, uh, kind of a sleeper state right now. It's not supposed to be a year-round legislature, but they haven't gotten a budget done. So they've been in, and they're still in, and our resolution is still live, and there's still possibility there. And, and then, Mark, there's probably 10 or 15 more that are really hot for the beginning of the year right after the beginning of 2020. Well, two things, see if you agree with me. Number one, when people see what's going on in Washington, and then they hear what these leftists want to do, uh, I would hope that more and more people are going to get involved in convention of states, and that includes state reps and state senators. That's number one. And number two, uh, the clock is ticking. I mean, for instance, in Virginia now, both houses have gone Democrat. That wasn't the case five years, six years ago. And we had so-called conservatives who stood in the way of this effort. And we even have so-called conservatives in the House of Representatives today that when they served in their, their various state legislatures opposed this too. Tell everybody why this is so crucial. Look, because Washington, D.C. is never going to fix itself. I mean, whatever President Trump does, it's just a thumb in the dike at best because eventually the pendulum is going to swing. The only people who can fix it are us, you and me and the regular citizens out there. We can do it by calling a convention of states specifically to restrain federal tyranny and, and really specifically, Mark, to go back to something closer to enumerated powers. As you know, the federal government has well exceeded the bounds of the Constitution. We really live in a post-constitutional republic. Yeah, no, I've said that for a while, too. And here's the thing, Mark Meckler of Convention of States. We had these uh, three knucklehead professors, leftists. Turley did quite a good job, I thought. They, they like to talk about what the founders meant. What they mean, I think, is the framers. When it comes to the Constitution and the impeachment clause, how come they're not concerned about what the framers meant when it comes to economic activity or centralized government? or immigration, or any of the rest. Isn't it, isn't it kind of interesting how they cherry-pick? Yeah, and I think it's even worse than that, Mark, and I've been listening to you and getting an education from you. They don't even know what the founders meant about impeachment, and they're really not talking about that. They're not going back to English common law to look at the definitions of high crimes and misdemeanors. I think you've been doing an incredible job of educating your audience, including me, about those facts. Thank you. But, uh, but it does crack. We have constitutional scholars, Mark Meckler, who are progressives. So they reject, really, the text of the Constitution and the original intention, if people understand what progressivism means. And there they are lecturing us about the impeachment clause. Pretty pathetic. Yeah, they don't care about the Constitution, Mark. Here's an interesting fact. You're a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. I've asked this question of many lawyers all over the country. Did you read the Constitution in law school? Mm -hmm. And about 99%, if you really dig in, they didn't. In con law, the only thing we studied in constitutional law in my class was what a bunch of guys in black robes had told us that they thought the Constitution meant, none of them referring back to the founders. You're right. You're right. So if people want to help, and they want to know which states to get involved in, if it's their state or the neighbor's state or whatever it is, where do they go? They go to conventionofstates.com, and they sign the petition, which goes to their legislators, and then click on the button to volunteer because, look, Mark, you and I can talk about it all we want, but if regular folks, millions of them, don't get involved, we're not going to get it done. Right now, 4 million-plus people are involved. I think we need to take that to 30 million, and I think with the help of your listeners, we're going to do that. And, you know, I think if we get close to the magic number the magic number of, uh, of states that, that adopt this resolution is about constitutionalism. Even if we get close, that'll shake up Washington, D.C., don't you think? We have a history of that happening where we've gotten close in our history and Congress acts, so I think that's inevitable. Congress is not the bravest body in the country, and if they see we're getting close to that number, uh, 34 number, then they're going to act in a much different way than they're acting today. You need 34 states. How many do you have? 
But we have 15, so 19 more to go. I think we'll probably be at 17 by January. We'll hit the halfway mark, and, and I'm hoping to get to somewhere around 27 next year. Isn't it amazing that every now, now and then this movement gets attention? 15 states, excuse me, <clears throat> with very little money, grassroots activists, that this movement's going on, this force is going on, and they're so busy doing their hate-ons with Trump, so busy with their 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 uh, their self-emulation or however you want to describe it, that they're missing this. And maybe that's a good thing in the media. Yeah, you know, I think the media is, Mark, but i got to tell you, we've seen the left rise up against it. Uh, we had a press mm-hmm. release signed two years ago. It was... It was done by Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, a Soros-funded group. 230 leftist organizations signed it against Convention of States. Uh-huh. Pretty much everybody, Planned Parenthood, La Raza, MoveOn.org, Daily Cause, all the bad folks signed onto this. So they know what's going on, and they are paying attention. Still any conservative groups giving you trouble? Oh, yeah. I mean, we still have you know folks like uh, the Heritage Foundation haven't signed on and you know are, are not coming out publicly in favor of it. You've got Eagle Forum is opposed to this still. You've got the John Birch Society. All 12 of them are opposed to this. So they're out there trying to cause Well, I, I would Look. tell our friends at Eagle Forum that the uh, Virginia State House and State Senate under the Virginia governor, all Democrats, is about to push through an ERA vote on the old ERA amendment. So... You- Unless we get our act together, I know this is what they claim to fear. The Democrats are going to do that anyway. Go ahead. Yeah, they're going to get it from Democrats in charge. And there's some fantasy in their part that the Democrats are just going to sit back and and let us rescue the nation. They're not going to do that. They're going to make it worse and worse. Our job is to stand up and do what the founders and the framers asked us. The framers told us themselves, we're going to come to this moment, there would be federal tyranny, and they gave us the power to do something about it. The only question is, are we as a nation, as a people, going to be brave and stalwart enough to do what it takes? Mm-hmm. Mark Meckler, thank you. The uh, site, folks, is conventionofstates.com. The, uh, conventionofstates.com. It's on my social sites. Please visit it. There's a lot you can do to help save your republic. Take care, my friend. God bless, Mark. Thanks a lot. You too. Now we have breaking news. That's real breaking news. Here's the New York Daily News. Multiple people shot in <laughs> excuse me, an active shooter situation at Pearl Harbor Base in Hawaii. Multiple people have been shot at the Pearl Harbor Naval Shipyard in Hawaii. And the active shooter situation is ongoing, according to local reports. The century-old Naval Shipyard is on lockdown. First responders have rushed to the area. Hawaii News Now reported. The Joint Base Pearl Harbor-Hickman said in a tweet that the shooting incident took place at 2.30 p.m. local time. And access to the shipyard has been cut off. Saturday will mark National Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day, marking the 1941 aerial attack that killed 2,403 brave men and women. This situation is unfolding. Well, that's horrific. That's terrible. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The Chaminade Christmas and Holiday Sale is officially here. Get ready. Stock up on the best skin care that money can buy during Chaminade's best promotion of the year. Imagine the turkey neck and double chin gone with the famous Genesel Breakthrough Jawline Treatment with MDL Technology. 
And during Chaminade's 25 Days of Christmas celebration, get the classic GenuSulfur eye bags and puffiness, absolutely free, plus GenuSulfur's immediate effects for results in 12 hours. 12 hours. Did he say 12 hours? I did. Look, 10, 15, even 20 years younger, right before your eyes. Guaranteed or 100% of your money back. Do you hear that? But your order today is even more special. Chaminet has partnered with Women Rising. And so that's always a very good thing. And Mr. Producer's sweating bullets right about now. Ladies and gentlemen, this is really a wonderful, wonderful series of products. And they guarantee it 100% or they give you your money back. Give it a try. Call 800-SKIN-604 or go to Genesal.com. 800-SKIN-604 or go to Genesal.com. You've heard me talk about it. You're thinking about it. Ask my buddy Teddy. I haven't talked about Teddy lately. Later. Lately. One of my good buddies. He puts it under his eyes and on his forehead. And he swears by it. He really does. That's 800-SKIN-604 or Genesal.com. Folks. Your order today includes Genesel X5 anti-wrinkle treatment and will be upgraded to priority shipping for free. Make this holiday season extra with Chamonix. 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. All right, Mr. Producer, any irregular Americans? We have only regular Americans. Well, that's a good thing. Who do you recommend? 8.70 a.m. where we are live and national. The great KRLA. Did you say Cheryl? It is Cheryl. How are you, Cheryl? Hi, Mark. It's a blessing to be speaking with you. I'm here with my mom. She's a 92-year-old Holocaust survivor. We've wow. Didn't before. you call before? Yes. 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 I remember. Thank you. I love you, Mark. This is oh, Canada. sweetie. Aren't you kind? She, that's my mom. She's How is your mom doing? God bless her. She's doing great. She's going out to Republican women's events and talking about the danger of the rise of socialism and anti-Semitism in the Democratic Party. So she's, she's out there. And That's she's a Holocaust survivor. Yeah, I she love did. your mom. She's terrific. She was in Auschwitz. She was in Geisling and liberated by the Americans in Dachau. Unbelievable. Well, thank you, Cheryl. And, and we're your favorite, favorite fans. But I just wanted to say about, you know, as, and I'm a law professor, so I have to say, I know you said people don't go to law school, but I just want to say don't spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to Stanford when you have a woman like Carlin who hasn't even passed the bar in the state of California. Well, well, well wait a minute. She teaches law at Stanford and is law. not a member of the bar? No. She isn't. Well, neither is Chemerinsky, who taught over at UCI. He was the dean there, and now he's a dean at Berkeley. So... You know, I mean, there's a well, lot of Let me of ask you a question. If you become a professor, you don't have to take the bar. I mean, this is news to a lot of, you know, flunkies. We should all be doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and of course, they could have had uh, people like John Eastman, and they could have had Victor Davis Hanson, who used to be a judge. On one side, they could have had Turley as the middle-of-the-road guy in the middle, and then had, you know, Carlin and Feldman or whoever they were going to pick you, on. You know, Cheryl, side. people have recommended me, but you know all they would do is shoot spitballs about my radio show and everything else, but I could run circles around these Democrats. Oh, absolutely you could. We, we need you. And um, for all the people, they've got to pick up their phones and call Fox, because I know Media Matters is after you. And my mom's a real Holocaust survivor, so don't ever, ever compare 
George Soros, who's nothing more than a Jewish anti-Semite, you know. To, mm-hmm. uh, he's you the know, worst. He's going after. He's going after Mark, and he's going after all the good people, like the Hannitys and the Carlsons and the, you know the Ingrams mm-hmm. people. So, but um, no, it just there, it was it was so biased, and I wanted to say she must have been absent the day that they taught uh, constitutional law in law school because. Um, the first thing you learn about before, after you learn about standing is you learn about procedural due process and substantive due process, mm-hmm. which has been denied to President Trump. And then she must have also been absent the day that they taught uh, trial practice, because here Judge Collins is asking her questions. And the only thing she can come back with is attacking the president's son, which obviously means to me that she must have missed my ethics lectures, because <laughs> most of these people seem to know nothing about ethics. And so I don't even know how they're out there getting hundreds of thousands of dollars teaching our students. But I want to encourage kids to go to law school because as a Jewish conservative law professor, we need more people. Well, on second thought, you're right. You're right. Otherwise, they're going to take over. We shouldn't surrender these institutions to the left. Absolutely. We, We need to just clear out a lot of the administrators, clear out a lot of the professors and at least make it balanced. Um, the whole point of law school is to get you to think, not to indoctrinate you. And that's what's happening. And to all the parents who pay the hundreds of thousands of dollars to put their kids in law school or college, uh, make sure that your kids are coming home, uh, getting both sides of the story, you know, reading Mark's books, seeing, you know, other, uh, you know, not, not just seeing what the leftists have to say. All right. Cheryl, thank you. Keep in touch. Give your mom a big hug for the whole country. And God bless you. Wonderful. Let's see, where shall we go? Joseph, Gilbert, Arizona, Sirius Satellite, go. Hey, Mark, thank you for taking my call. I just want to say first, my two poodles are smarter than the three witnesses we saw today. Hey, one's don't put black. down poodles. <laughs> one's black. They're smarter. One's yes. black, one's white, and they're both female, so they check all the boxes. There you go. Second, <laughs> secondly, I just wanted to say you made a comment earlier about how you were somewhat proud or glad the way the Republicans responded. I am proud at the unity of the Republicans in the House, the leadership, and so many of the uh, patriots coming forward. They look really good in the House. I can't say the same for the Senate. 100% agree. And I got to say, for the first time in a long time, and I've been on both sides, I am proud of the Republican Party. It makes me want to stand with them, and I think they could draw in a lot more support if they continue to act like Trump and how Trump is teaching them to fight back. I think this is a very important point, and I want the Senate Republicans to understand. We will rally around you if you rally around the rule of law and the Constitution, and that includes here the President of the United States. We can do you a lot of good if you do the country a lot of good. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Ladies and gentlemen, God bless you and thank you. And I'll be right here tomorrow. I hope you'll join us. Take care.